0: Welcome to The Real Education Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Bowles, and on this show, I interview remarkable people who think way outside the box in education. To listen to more episodes, learn more about my guests, or become a patron of this ad and sponsor-free show, visit blakebowles.com slash podcast. You can also email me at yours truly at blakebowles.com. Now, onto the show. My guest today is Kenneth Danford, Executive Director and Co-Founder of Northstar, Self-Directed Learning for Teens in Western Massachusetts. And today, Ken and I are going to be talking about Northstar, Self-Directed Learning, and a few other things. So, welcome, Ken.
1: Thank you. Glad to be here, Blake.
0: All right. So, tell us about Northstar. What is it, and who is it for, and what happens there?
1: Well, Northstar is a program that supports teenagers and their families to choose self-directed learning. And pursue it instead of attending school. And it came about in 1996 when Joshua Hornick and I were frustrated middle school teachers in Amherst, in the Amherst Public Schools in Massachusetts, and couldn't see how to improve or change schools from within to make it so that teens would want to be there. Um, I had liked school, I'd become a teacher for idealistic reasons. I was in a program to become a principal or superintendent. But I really felt sad about the relationships I was having with many of the teens and their experiences in the building. And I felt that in many cases, I was making teens' lives worse, not better, and fussing about trivial things with them, about bathrooms, about tardiness, and so on. And that, you know, on an individual basis, many of them were just throwing the work away as soon as they thought they were done with it. And it didn't seem very meaningful to a lot of people. And Joshua felt those things, but he he had a different, slightly different take on it, which was that he felt... In school, so many teens were just learning to get by, to settle for mediocrity, to to see teenagedom as a time to get through without doing anything meaningful, just wait and wait and, and pass on through. And he felt really sad to be part of that system or contributing in any way to that view of life. And so he gave me a copy of the Teenage Liberation Handbook. That was my first introduction to homeschooling. I knew nothing about any alternative such as that. And That's after,
0: the book by, by Grace Llewellyn. Yes.
1: Came out in the early 90s. And uh, and I was thunderstruck. Really? All these kids are growing up without school and without even – in homeschooling, they're not even replicating school at home. They're just studying and learning and following their interests in, in music and art and mathematics and literature and writing and foreign languages and entrepreneurship and just living with animals, whatever they're doing. And it worked. They could go to college and there was no penalty or no no start over or no, no problem with Having chosen not to attend school at all, this was this was crazy to me, and I quickly read a lot of more a lot more literature and spoke and interviewed a bunch of local homeschooling unschooling teenagers in the area. And Josh and I decided that what we could do would be to resign our jobs and to help the students in the school pursue this approach. And that's what we've done for eighteen years, um, and. The the main issue is that North Star has never been a homeschooling co-op or a a program principally for existing homeschoolers and unschoolers. Only a small amount of the existing lifelong unschooling teens in our area choose to join us. North Star has always been about making the option available for school-bound teens and families and coaching kids who are just managing school or feeling trapped in school to to get out. And so North Star has always been a program that's trying to offer enough to make the approach appealing, sustainable, and awesome for, for anybody who wants to do it. And and that's what we've done. It's, it's really great.
0: Is there a profile of a typical teen who comes from school and joins North Star? I'm sure you get a big diversity of, of participants. Right. but uh, No,
1: been- I would say there's not. I think the one thing is that they're nonconformist enough to let go of being a regular school kid so that when they see their friends and their friends' parents and their family at holidays and the people go, so what are you doing? They have to fess up to the idea that, well, actually, I'm doing this thing that you may think is strange. I don't go to school anymore. I'm learning independently. And that takes a little bit of wherewithal. Um, we, we have a, a lot of kids who come to, to North Star because they're functional in school. They're passing. They're even getting honorable grades or they otherwise would make it through just fine. But they're bored and feeling constrained, and they have real interests and passions and things they want to be doing with themselves, rather than wait, waiting. And that may be music or theater or foreign languages or writing anything. Right. We also see a number of kids who come to North Star. In more trouble, some of them are coming with a good degree of depression or anxiety or feeling beaten down by school or, or you know otherwise mentally uh, struggling with mental health issues, and we're able to say, well, if school is making things worse for you rather than better, you could try not going. And uh, so that's, what, that's another group. And then a third group that we often see are kids who've just resisted and stopped trying and, and aren't doing well in school, either on purpose or just out of frustration. I wouldn't call them uh, struggling with mental health issues as much as just resistors who've said enough is enough. I don't really see the point and I'm not going to try and I'm not going to do it and do what you will with me. But I'm not going to cooperate anymore. I'm not going to do any more meaningless assignments. And let's see what happens. So we get kids like that, too. So Sometimes we get outliers, people with health issues or other, you know, really unique learning approaches, and just school is a bad fit more generically. But uh, anyway, we see, we see lots of different teens.
0: And walk us through a typical day of a North Star team. Again, I'm sure that's a hard question to answer, but maybe you could start with answering this question. What's required at North Star and and what's optional?
1: Well, everything's optional at North Star. We have a bunch of classes. It operates like a YMCA or a a senior center, Mike, where there's writing groups and book groups and all kinds of things that happen, trips and music and theater and art and uh, all kinds of discussions. And, And they're all optional, right? People come and go as they please. People come in two three four days a week and people ask for tutorials we probably have 75 to 100 one-on-one scheduled tutorials a week at North star now that range from something very traditional like ged prep to something you know bizarre like uh, I don't know ukulele that's not you that's not even bizarre but uh, <laughs> you know um, music and art and other kinds of uh interesting things that, that are requested by teens the uh the best way to put it like really is that you know, a typical day in a teen's life is pretty much like the summer or the weekend. Just imagine, you know, all the different things that kids do after school, on the weekends, and during the summers. You know, everybody does different things with themselves, just like adults do uh, in their free time. And and trying to uh, offer people an open slate to create their own routines means that people have all different lives.
0: I think a casual listener might... Th- hear what you're saying about Northstar and say, well, this sounds a lot like a free school or like the Sudbury Valley school. And what makes you different from a typical democratic free school like Sudbury Valley?
1: Well, the main thing is we're not a school. Those schools actually require people to be there five days a week, at least five hours a day. And most people stay there till age 18. And, uh, we do none of those things. So, uh, and we don't offer diplomas. Right. And so, so that's the first main thing that's different is that we're actually not a school. And, uh, the second main thing is that uh, we're not really a democratic student-run community in the best sense of that word for those schools. Um, we don't have a student-run judiciary when there when there are problems. You know, teens and staff together work them out, but it's not a solo teen thing. And you know most of the major organizational decisions are done by the staff for the board. They're, you know, teens are invited and welcome, but most of them haven't displayed that much interest in it. And so it's it's not a democratic process. Um, on the other hand, kids have so much freedom to leave or come and go as they please to stay as many years as they wish. That I think is a very powerful antidote, which which demonstrates involvement and commitment to the community. There's a very strong sense of community at Northstar among mm-hmm. the kids and the adults, and uh, and I don't I don't worry about that idea whatsoever. And the other thing that's different, I, depending on the, the Democratic Free School, is that North Star's calendar is pretty thick. The number of adults offering classes and groups, or other teams, or other alumni, or other people offering activities for people to join in, is is, is, is thick. And my perception is that in Democratic Free Schools, um, the idea is that adults and external volunteers do not offer such things that everything should be from the ground up by the actual teens themselves.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. I remember reading a story by Daniel Greenberg uh, from the Sudbury Valley school, a story about math and some of his uh, kids at Sudbury Valley learning math and how a group of them, a multi-age group came up and said, please teach us basic math. And his first response was, I don't think you're really serious about this. I think your parents might be putting you up to this. Come back later when you're serious. And they did come back later, and it turned out to be a really inspiring story. Sure. But, yeah, it, it definitely had to be uh, student-initiated.
1: Right. And we, when we offer math tutors, we, we always say that, you know, we are not responding to a parent's demand that their teen have a math tutor. If the teen doesn't want to have a math tutor, we'll decline and tell the parent directly to hire a math tutor at home and, and compel this activity on their own turf, right? But if a teen wants it, that's different. But having a staff member offer uh, a math class around the book called The Number Devil, um, just have it there on the calendar for everybody who wants to come, to have a math games and puzzles group pre-scheduled on the calendar, to have a math lab work time, um, to have any other kind of of business or number class organized and presented, and say, Tuesdays at 10, this thing is happening. Um, seems to me to be really good for Northstar, but it's very counter to the way that I perceive most free schools to operate.
0: Is everyone who goes to Northstar a homeschooler? Is that a requirement?
1: Well, it's not a requirement by our standard. Well, first of all, as you know, the teens who are over 16 aren't filing homeschooling papers. Um, but I guess the short answer to your question is sort of yes, in the sense that um, we don't have kids who are both enrolled in schools and coming to Norristar. People are doing one or the other. Um, So so half the answer is yeah. Everybody who comes to Norristar is technically not enrolled in a school. And if they're under 16, they ought to be filed as homeschoolers. Some families choose not to do that. We don't really care. It's not a requirement. They don't have to prove to us that they're registered homeschoolers. And you know what do you do with that group over 16 years old who are done being legal homeschoolers and in that gap time um, where homeschooling is no longer a legal requirement, um, and, and not all the kids perceive themselves, I suppose, to be homeschoolers. But uh, but in essence, the answer to the question is yes. They're all they're, they're all not enrolled in school for sure.
0: Okay, so you titled the organization North Star Self Directed Learning for Teens, mm-hmm. and I'm curious why you chose the fairly esoteric phrase, self-directed learning, especially back in the 90s when you started it, and what that means to you and and how it's evolved over this period of time working with so many teenagers?
1: That's a fine question, Blake. The language is really, really hard, and there's not any solid answer to this. The first reason is that we like the word. The second reason is that we like it better than the word homeschooling. Um, Homeschooling legally may be the mechanism, but people have lots of... uh, assumptions and baggage and uh, precon- preconceptions about what that must mean. Um, and so to put the word homeschooling in our name isn't exactly what we want to do. Um, and it also would, would imply that it's already it's only for people who have already made the choice to homeschool, not a conduit to use homeschooling to improve your life for school-bound kids who've never heard of the word and are terrified by it, or their parents are terrified by it. So homeschooling wasn't a very good word to use in our name unschooling isn't much of a help even though it's more accurate for the process that we we mostly support that we don't really care if teens are unschooling or homeschooling or how they're how they're in doing it um, but unschooling doesn't get as much further down the pike of uh, having people have a sense of what we are and so um, where does that leave us self-directed learning rolls off the tongue pretty nice and in the past 15 years it turns out that a whole set of people have really embraced that word independent of us and we're part of the swirl though i don't think we've led that and it turns out to be uh people we like who use it in ways that we like and it seems to be a pretty solid choice in retrospect i don't know what do you think of the phrase self-directed learning as a title (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've
0: thought about that a lot too it's really a mouthful but it's much more inclusive than homeschooling or unschooling Mm -hmm. for those reasons that you outlined right and what I've come to really appreciate about it is that you can be in school or in college or graduate school or an adult, or you can be in any stage of life, and call yourself a self-directed learner. When we use terms that have the, the phrase "school" in it, it restricts us to thinking about this K through 12
1: time period. Sure, and so, so, right, and North Star in particular, obviously, is is for that K through 12. Well, the grade six, seven through 12 time period, and you know our motto is "learning is natural, school is optional." And so we're really targeting the phrase self directed learning as specifically an alternative to attending school. But I certainly support the whole community of people using the phrase self directed learning as a lifelong approach to taking oneself seriously.
0: And let's get into this term self directed learning. And mm-hmm. I'm curious what you think it actually means because self directed can encapsulate other ideas like self motivation or really choosing your own path as compared to just doing what your parents are doing or what your friends are doing. And so what what have you observed what does it mean to be self-directed? How would you even define that?
1: Well, I think it just means trying to be open to experiences and and following your interests the same way as I said earlier you might do on the weekend or the summer or after school in your free time. What does one do? What does one like to do? What does one feel good at? What does one want to master? And to let that flow and not to do things specifically because kids your age are doing them in school or because teachers are assigning them to kids your age or because the world thinks you ought to do this thing. I mean, sometimes if you feel like that's part of your self-directed learning it's just find out what you're missing, sure, then consciously do it for that reason. But in general, it's to let go of all the uh, assumptions about what you ought to be doing because of one's age or because of the common core or something like that. And just trust oneself that uh, we all want to be competent, interesting people who, who have some sense of mastery in the world and a place in the world for ourselves. It's really hard to figure out. And the sooner we start practicing and trying, the more likely we are to, to succeed at that. And so it's going to be okay. Um, and that in that trusting oneself, um, the, world, the world opens up. We live in an amazingly open culture. Sometimes I, I was just talking to some friends who were, were studying in Germany or France or... I just met a young woman from Korea and you know, not not the whole world isn't as open as, as it turns out our culture is, but uh, this is enough to give me a burst of patriotism actually (laughs) Um, that in the United States uh, it's very easy to take oneself seriously, not worry about the credentials so much and, uh, and have an interesting life that, that will work out uh, well.
0: I think when a lot of people who are not familiar with um, kind of ideas of alternative education or self-directed learning um, hear someone like you make this speech, they think that might work for someone else's teenager or some savant or yes, genius, absolutely, and it couldn't work for mine because my kid is a is a typical teenager who is really focused on his or her peers and who is um, you know really cons- consumed with all these ideas about how. He or she should be acting. And the idea that they can figure out what is important for them and they can pursue it, even if it's, you know, especially if it's not popular in some sort of uh, cultural sense, seems outlandish, ludicrous, impossible. Uh, I, I imagine you've had hundreds of these kinds of conversations with parents. And what does your response become to this sort of, you know, I don't think it could work for my kid?
1: Well, they may be right, but I doubt it. Um, the kid may not be interested in this approach. is more likely the, the thing. And if your teen is not interested, then I wouldn't push this on them. I have two children who I keep trying to uh, encourage to stop going to school, but they won't. The, the mantra in my house with my two teens is, "Dad, I just want to graduate from high school and go straight to college. Would that be okay?" And uh, <laughs> what can I say to that? Um, and, and I also always remember that uh, my own experience in high school is very positive and that if someone had offered me self-directed learning as an alternative to staying in high school, I would have declined. So I'm not against going to school. And I'm not against a parent having these concerns. The, uh, the argument, the main argument is, is your teen happy waking up every day going to school? Is the school life working for your child? And if it is, fine. But if your child's resisting and suffering and bored and complaining and feeling life is meaningless and things are on hold until age 18, but they're just going through the motions and they don't seem very self-directed, then the argument is, well, in a school life, your teen is not displaying the things that we're concerned about. Are they going to learn to start behaving as self-directed people in school? Probably not. And maybe the best way to cultivate the thing we're not seeing is to change the approach. It may feel risky. It may feel terrifying. Uh, you know, one of the things again is to consider what does your teen look like. Uh, what behaviors do they display when they're not in school? Do they cook for fun? Do they go outside for fun? Do they have sports? Do they have friends. You know, what 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 does the rest of life look like when they're not just muddling through school assignments? And and see if you can get any hope from that. But at some basic level. How are you going to learn to be self-directed without practicing it? Are we really going to ask kids to wait until age 18 to follow directions, muddle through, get whatever grades you choose, graduate from high school, and then now you can start practicing being self-directed? Because now you're mature enough, or now that you have the diploma you're allowed to to start, I, I, find, uh, I find that sad.
0: So when you think of North Star and you think of all the time you've spent mentoring different teenagers. Is there anyone who really stands out? Are there any uh, specific people, specific stories, that you really have come to feel represent the North Star model and its potential? Uh, Anyone who you could talk about on this podcast?
1: Oh, I'm not sure I want to start naming names. I just send people to the North Star website. There's all kinds of profiles up there. Um, I guess I'll start with Jonah Meyer, though. Why not? He won't mind. I don't know who's going to care if I talk (laughs) about them. But Jonah hated elementary school and was, you know, the equivalent of a resistor, wild child, you know, missing a lot of school. And uh, clearly going to junior high was going to be a disaster for him. And he came out of school and he spent three years playing and experimenting and not doing a lot of work. And the things his parents are most concerned about, i.e. writing and math were things he did not do. And uh, he rock climbed and he made friends at North Star and... He went to a, a state and national tournament in rock climbing. He's, uh turns out that he wanted to study chemistry and learned math enough to get an A in a college course when he was 15. He decided that he had all these things to say about his experience not going to school, and he decided he should help compose the North Star uh, Newsletter. And he began to write articles and edit articles and took up writing. And uh, lo and behold, at 17, 18, he moved on from North Star and did a year-long intensive outdoor education program with the Greenfield Community College. and now he uh, works with troubled teens in an out-of-door summer program, and he rock climbs and uh, leads strips. He's a pretty healthy kid, right? No one cares that he didn't go to high school, and in fact, you know it was the greatest thing ever. Meanwhile, I can tell you about all kinds of high-powered, honor roll superstar people. Um, another one of our classic alums would be um, Jen Eckert, who I know wouldn't mind me talking about her. She had an honor roll AP experience through about 10th or 11th grade, but was just so bored and so dreading going back to school one August that she uh, she showed up in our program. And uh, in fact, her guidance counselor called me at home to yell at me for ruining this young woman's life. <laughs> and uh it turns out Jen thrived and got into all kinds of uh projects and ended up um ended up going to a uh a massage therapy school and she has her independent massage therapy business now and um actually never attended four years college school so uh I suppose that guy's counselor was right in, in from their perspective that we ruined we ruined her she never went to college um at uh, the same token uh, one of our um alum is currently a uh superintendent of a local public school system here in the valley and uh, another is run off and joined, as you know from the ted talk run off and joined a a circus a professional circus program and is on a cruise ship in the mediterranean so you know the world is really wide open there's nothing that a teen can do with a high school diploma that a teen can't do without one so It's just, they're equal choices for life preparation. If a teen would rather go to school and play sports and be reasonably conventional and and have that experience, they should be allowed to have it. And if a teen would like to get out of that building at 7th, 8th, ninth grade and stay out for the duration and get a part-time job and... Experiment with community college or audit a class at a private school or travel or learn a foreign language or start a business or see what their parents are doing or work with elders or work with animals, they should be allowed to do that too. And if a teen wants to skip junior high and homeschool, unschool during the junior high years and then go back to high school, I propose that's an excellent way to live too. So um I just want there to be not such a big deal. It's not life or death. For goodness sakes, for goodness sake. Um If a a teen wants to take a year off of school or take the whole career of school off, it's really going to be okay.
0: Ken, I'm completely with (laughs) you on this. And I love the idea of just taking little gap years or Mm -hmm. sabbaticals or, you know, you wrote an article for the Huffington Post a while ago saying eighth grade out, take eighth grade as a year off to figure out what you're really into before you dive into the intense high school years.
1: Yes, thank you. Somebody somewhere ought to coin, you know, i will be love to get the credit for it, but let's coin that phrase, eighth grade out like, gap year before high school and make that everywhere.
0: Okay, so we're the true believers.
1: But suggesting
0: that you take even a semester off to a a regular college prep uh, family is, it's, again, ludicrous. Yes. It's unthinkable. You're going to miss, how could you ever catch up with regular academics? If you go to this North Star place for a year as you're, you're begging us to let you do. How do we know that you could ever get back on track with right. high school and you know if this turns out to be a bad idea, what's the contingency plan?
1: Right. And the, and the answer to that question has nothing to do with my North Star career adult professional experience. It has everything to do with my experience as a student and with most of these parents experiences as students and my experience as a school teacher teaching 8th grade in public school, which is please just think about it for a minute. Lots of kids who go to school aren't really learning the stuff that's being presented to them. Even some of the kids who are getting A's, let alone the kids who aren't. Um, you know, if you had missed 8th grade social studies, really, do you think you never would have learned about the Constitution? If you had never been in 8th grade English, you never would have read To Kill a Mockingbird, and that would have, you know, that's a good book. but And your life would be ruined somehow. Really, your eighth grade experiences were the critical factor to you being able to function in high school? We just know that's preposterous. What about kids who have bad eighth grade teachers or they move during eighth grade or some other unsettling experience and they do poorly that year? I mean, it happens all the time that that you know school isn't what it's cracked up to be and doesn't turn out to be perfect, right? So we just know that school isn't defining, and then as a teacher... I to imagine that what I was presenting to these students in U.S. history, which I thought was pretty important, that's why I was a U.S. history teacher, um, was, was unmissable. That every student who missed a day of my class or didn't actually learn the stuff I was teaching that time and only got a C or a D was somehow now unfit for society or couldn't go on to high school or couldn't do ninth grade social studies. It's just ridiculous. We know it. It's 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 just a little bit of common sense. And and it's not really based on, on any radical notion of North Star. It is that each particular class in high school and junior high doesn't matter all that much. What really matters is teens wanting to know that material. If you have a bad biology teacher, but you love science, sooner or later you're just gonna learn the biology you were supposed to have learned in that class independently. People do that all the time, in fact, most of the history I know I didn't learn from being a good history student in junior high and high school. Most of the history I've learned and that I use as a teacher i I learned on my own because I was inspired because it mattered to me right blake i
0: I'm again agreeing with you, and I think that you'd actually have a lot of parents agreeing with you about the right and and, and the the fact that you don't really learn or you don't retain
1: very much for most high school so, courses so i that. think I'm sorry to cut you off, so I'm getting excited, though. But the point is, I think what the parents fear is, is not that their kids are going to miss out on learning, because I think I, what I just said is common knowledge enough, common experience enough. People aren't really afraid their kids aren't going to learn the thing. What they're really afraid is somehow the kids aren't going to have the credential they need to go forward. How are they ever going to get into Tufts or Harvard or you know um, Stanford or, or University of California schools if... They haven't done high school and don't have a traditional high school diploma. I think people are far more worried about the credentialing than about the actual learning. And um, that's reasonable. I mean, as parents, I think we all want our kids to have options and to worry that our kids may be excluded from from good options is terrifying, right? And all I can say is repeat and repeat and repeat. The, the unschooling movement for the last 30 years has demonstrated over and over again successfully. That teens don't need high school diplomas, traditional high school diplomas, from private schools or high school, or, or public schools or online schools to get accepted to Harvard or to any of the colleges or to get jobs or to be accepted to the Peace Corps or to um, start businesses, obviously, or to get hired and promoted in jobs. People like interesting teens. People like interesting people who are go-getters, who have energy, who are happy to wake up in the morning and bring you know their spirit to what they're doing and helping your team become a person like that, I, I can promise you they're not going to be excluded from anything, and that starting at 15 or 16 or 17, if they want to try a community college class instead of high school, they can end up with a year ahead of themselves with credits and, and self-awareness, right? In fact, I sometimes like to humor myself. I don't know if you guys will think this is funny or not, and you can edit it out, Blake. But I, whoever knew that the the best solution to the whole crisis of teen competitive college admissions and family financing college and this whole this whole angst the best solution to it is to drop out of junior high homeschool for high school experiment with community college audit a class at a private school do some other travel and jobs and online stuff figure out your life and apply to a four-year school if and when you're ready you can save a lot of money and you'll be more self-aware than I was when I went straight to college. And uh, and there's no downside to it other than bypassing the traditional high school experience. It's really true. Dropping out of junior high is a great thing to do.
0: I'm not going to edit that out because I love it. <laughs> and um, also, I'm going to push back a little bit yeah. because, uh, you know, there's a whole nature and nurture conundrum going on here. And we have to ask if the kids who are dropping out of junior high and still getting into their top college – if they would have done that anyways, if they continued going through school. And are we just talking about a very self-selected crowd of extremely bright or intrinsically self-motivated teenagers who would have succeeded, you know, no matter what environment you threw them into. And And, uh, and, And also, are we not hearing the stories of the teenagers who drop out of high school and it does not work out for them. And do do we just sort of suppress those stories or never hear about them in the first place? No, no, those are
1: both good points. Some of the kids who come out and thrive in homeschooling with, our, with North Star could have stayed in school and gotten good grades and gotten into top colleges from school. Sure. But the young woman who went off to the circus and is still involved, the young woman who became a massage therapist, um, people who are doing, you know, learning multiple languages at 16 years old. Those things wouldn't have happened so easily for them, or if not at all, had they stayed in high school. So it's not always um, uh, the case that these things were bound to happen. These things might have happened anyway at 22, 23, but not at 17, 18 years old. Um, is it? There, there's a number of kids I've seen who've come out of school angry and resistant getting D's and F's who've, who've gone to community college and gotten A's in economics the next semester, like right away. Sometimes it really is the environment of school that is causing the distress and the resistance. And when you remove that, people start thriving sooner, right? Not everything is so dramatic, but many times that's the case. And so I think that's, that's, that's not, a, not really debatable. But sure, many of the easiest, happiest cases are kids who could, who would have, been, could have muddled along in school and gotten good grades, and gotten into done well on SATs, and gone to college. Um, anyway, sure, some of that's true. And in terms of, of failures, I I have said in the TED talk and elsewhere that I am sure that in coaching kids to leave school, I've never made a single life worse. And that's not how I felt when I was teaching in junior high school. And I still firmly assert that That experience, I'm sure that's true. Um, sometimes kids come out of school with North Star and they make a mess of things. It's not that easy. Their family's not that supportive. The kids are confused they they have substance abuse or depression or, or other kinds of problems that are bigger and, and heavier and uh, and North Star isn't the the successful uh, transition that we'd like it to be. Sure. It certainly happens, I don't think to hide there, and what happens in those cases is sometimes those kids actually choose to go back to school after a year out, um, believe it or not, they go back to school by choice. I think we should get medals when that happens or um or they drift off and they drift off in the same way that they were drifting off from school that led them to come to North Star in the first place. It's not like these, it would take high functioning people who then fall off the face of the earth because they leave school it's sometimes we we welcome really. Uh, hard cases. And North Star has no admissions policy. We turn nobody away from money, but we also turn nobody away because they're struggling. And and so sometimes people come with problems and they're hard. Life is hard. And uh, and sometimes we're not enough to, to turn that around. And school wasn't enough for those people either. So it's not a negative about uh, homeschooling or schooling. It's just that sometimes people's problems are bigger than than whatever institution they put themselves in, whether that's the regular public school or a private school or a charter school or parochial school or, or a homeschooling North Star kind of place. Um, and so, um, you know, we, we feel sad when we can't be the solution, but but we're, we're not the cause of the problem. Right? We've never been the cause of the problem, is my assertion.
0: Ken, what do you think the role of the parent is when raising a self-directed teenager and specifically in your experience at North Star, what roles have you seen parents play that have been helpful um, for their teens from your perspective? And what roles have you seen them play that have been not helpful or destructive?
1: Well, I think parenting is a really hard thing as the, as the parent of a 18 year old freshman in college and a 16 year old sophomore in in high school. Um, Certainly it's hard to be the parent of a teenager. Uh, what, what seems to work the best is to be present, to listen, to offer some alternatives. I think in some sense, having limits (laughs) saying no, sometimes is a reasonable thing to do as a parent, um, you know, providing options and, and alternatives and opportunities for your children to make the most of things, but not to hand them everything and, and not to say yes to everything is, is perfectly great. And to have some actual concerns or or requirements within a household may may be very natural um, where where it gets dicey is is when um, the parents are uh, when the teen experiences it not as loving but as controlling not as not as helpful but as just a battle right and uh, or sometimes you know parents think that kids are supposed to be unhappy and that uh, and if they're too happy there's something wrong, and the parents must induce a certain amount of unhappiness uh, in their teen's life so the teen knows how to deal with the difficulties of the world when they're older. Um, in terms of parenting, the best uh, the best book I've 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 read that affected me the most after the Teenage Liberation Handbook would be um, Punished by Rewards by Alfie Cohen, and he talks about the value of intrinsic motivation versus extrinsic motivation, specifically around parenting as well as the work world and schooling. And uh, I've, I'm an Alfie Cohen groupie at this point with that book. And um, so I, so I recommend that one. There's, there's no magic bullet. I think, you know, kids, especially when you take kids out of school and you're going to, to have a 13 or 15 year old out of school who doesn't drive, Kids need help. They need rides. They need money. They need research. I mean, it's the same as helping a kid find a meaningful summer, or finding good activities on the weekends or or after school if they're not doing sports. You know, how do you help your teen explore the world? Right. That's a that's a conscious, necessary role. Ken, why
0: aren't there more North Stars? Why isn't there a North Star in every medium or large sized city
1: in the United States? Well, that's fairly simple. In the words, money. Um, you know, it's really hard to sustain North Star financially. People come with no money. It's like starting a small alternative private school in that sense, right? And we're trying to make the combination of a medium fee payment in which we turn nobody away combined with our uh fundraising and donor base uh is enough to sustain the overhead and salaries for, you know, four or five now about five full-time positions. It's really really hard multiplication. And and even our full salaries are far less than what a public school, what I made as a public school teacher, um, with guaranteed benefits, health benefits, and and retirement benefits. You know, it's really hard to match that. I'd be making double or triple the amount as a as a veteran teacher or um, principal, let alone a superintendent in public school. So it, it's there's no money, and so who's going to do this work of, of of hosting a center and Keeping it together and keeping it going. Um, so that's the main issue. Um, outside of that, I think it's possible to uh, to coach adults to train adults as we're doing with the Liberated Learners Network to who want to embark on this to to start centers. And as you know, there's there's a program in Princeton, New Jersey, New Haven, Connecticut, Ottawa, Ontario, uh, Ottawa, Quebec, Canada. Um, Portland, Oregon; Grand Rapids, Michigan; now in Dedham, Massachusetts; Canton, New York. There's a whole slew of programs now modeled after Northstar, with really awesome people trying to make them fly, and 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 they're they're fledglings. Okay, they're happening, but everybody's struggling for money. So, so did
0: you ever consider uh, trying to become a charter school or otherwise tapping into public funds to help deal with the money issue?
1: No, uh, Josh would consider trying to start a, a public school charter school modeled after Sudbury, and that was rejected by the charter school commission that was back in the 90s before we ever started north star um no i don't think there's going to be any public money for anything that doesn't engage in testing and measurement and compelled attendance and uh, adults making sure the kids do things whether they want to or not and that's what i chose to leave so i take the good with the bad and uh if i'm gonna have my uh, free agency. Then I'm not going to have uh, public funds. I don't believe. If uh, if sometime that changes, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm not really anticipating that to change in my lifetime. Trends going the wrong way, Blake. We're going for more testing, longer school days, right? Even the current presidential administration is talking about longer school days and things of that nature, longer school years. You know, this it's not going in the right direction right now.
0: Except for other people who are concerned about. Uh things not going in the right direction. How can they find out more about these North Star model organizations that are popping up? Where where do they get the
1: well the information? our network is called Liberated Learners and their website right now is called Liberated Learners Inc.org.org. I think we're about to change to liberatedlearners.net which would be smooth, but I don't think it's happened yet. So uh, hang it in. Sounds very smooth. The LiberatedLearnersInc.org is the current website. And then you'll see a map of all the people we've spoken to and all the people you know interested in starting programs. And, of course, there's a number of people who are doing things like North Star without being members of Liberated Learners. And when I say like, I mean that they are actually coaching school-based families to use homeschooling, and these families are usually paying these people some money. It's not a homeschooling co-op run by veteran homeschoolers, but rather an actual program meant to coach ordinary school-based families to leave school. And people have, have have found their way into this world without my coaching or without Northstar. And so they're on the map as affiliates, you know, doing similar work independently and not choosing to buy into our consulting and, and Liberate learners network model. Um and uh and that's great. So you can see that there's all kinds of people doing it and all kinds of right now we're also doing monthly Uh, Google Hangout webinars for people interested in the model that are pretty low cost and we expect to be doing more and more of those as the year goes on we're sort of feeling our way into what's the best uh, method to share what we know and get people up to speed as quick as we can and have them skip the first 10 to 12 years of our 19 year experience so that they can maybe actually keep a center going more quickly than we were able to figure out
0: and I'd like to wrap up on a personal note and ask you what your most significant educational experience that you ever had was something that really defined what it meant to get a, a real education something that that felt you know important and meaningful and tangible maybe for the first time in your life
1: well that's a good question Blake I wasn't ready for that one the as a high school student the most meaningful part of my life was stumbling in with my friends to a teacher's room after school. And we ended up starting starting a peer counseling support group and learning some basic psychology and counseling skills after school for the fun of it. And, uh, and that group went on for about five years uh, because we cared and we became very tight. And we ended up starting a program in Shaker Heights High School called the Student Group on Race Relations, which... Uh, grew out of our own uh, experiences together and actually has been sustained by the school system now. It's about its 30th year or something like that. Um, And so the idea that we were doing something for fun together with teachers, but not teachers we had as classroom teachers, purely for the, the experience of it, that then led to a uh, a lifelong permanent outcome that hopefully has benefited lots of people who've been involved in it, um, I think is something I'm really uh, glad to have been part of.
0: My guest today was Ken Danford. Thank you, Ken. Well, thank you, Blake. This is The Real Education Podcast. This show is produced with the assistance of Zen Zenith, who also created the music. For more episodes, visit BlakeBowles.com podcast. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.